views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio, a program that focuses on 21st century slavery and human trafficking enabled by the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, which has the 13th Amendment, which clearly states that slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as a punishment for crime. It is a Wednesday night, of course. It is July the 3rd, 2019. On tonight's broadcast, the regular panel has the night off. Um, let me just say real quick that Maxwell Melvins, uh, one of our regular panelists, is not in great health right now. He's in the hospital. Shout out to Max. If he is listening, uh, we have you in our prayers, brother. And also, our former um, host, Max. Um, y'all remember Max, right? So Max isn't doing too well either. So please remember wow. him and keep you um, in his prayers as well. <clears throat> so tonight, and give me just a second. Let me, let me mute the lines. Um, we're getting some background noise. I, I appreciate the guests calling in. Give us a second and we'll get you on air. Um, but tonight, tag our comrade tag, longtime abolitionist and participant in the new abolitionist movement will help to facilitate a conversation with activists and victims around the wrongful convictions of these victims of the U.S. modern system of slavery and how certain people are targeted for prison enslavement, sometimes because of their advocacy for the human rights of oppressed people or simply because they ran into a slave catcher intent on locking someone up. Uh, thank you again for joining us on tonight's broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, let me bring in our co-host for tonight, Tag. Good to hear from you, bro. Great to hear you and greatly appreciated to you and the other usual co-panelists. Hard to hear about uh, Brother Max, both 
Brother Max, who's currently co-hosting, and Brother Max Parthis, previous uh, co-host, uh, really just pulling for y'all to uh, swift recovery. Most certainly, most certainly. Well, Tag, as I, I told you, I'm running, I'm riding shotgun um, tonight. Uh, seems like you have a full slate for us to talk about these issues concerning uh, targeting and wrongful convictions. So let's get started. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, uh, great looks for just sharing these minutes uh, with myself and, and with the rest of us to go into this very disturbing issue that, you know, the more you look around out here today, uh, even though it's something that's often presented as though it happens every once in a while and it's, it's a tragedy, um, tragically, these kinds of wrongful convictions and, and the targeting and bogus charging of individuals, uh, especially in these communities that are already targeted for economic exploitation and all other manner of exploitation is is all too pervasive out here. And so uh, this is why, you know, heads that I've been in contact with um, and, who, you know, we've been working on these issues uh, in a personal capacity or organizational capacity, you know, wanted to just make sure that heads had some minutes to share the particulars of how this has impacted them and, uh, you know, just shed some light on, on this uh, sadly uh, constant issue that, that we're struggling against. So um, it's, it's a number of us out here today. So I'd like to, you know, just go right into it. Um, those of y'all that are on the line that uh, would like to discuss, um, please just hit star star to unmute your line and uh, we could get right into it. I know uh, Sophia, uh, sister and longtime comrade, you know, has been on the line for a second there and was looking to discuss, you know, updates on what's going on with Mumia. Um, one of the best known uh, wrongfully convicted individuals and political prisoners uh, in the world. And um, it would be great to hear from you, hear any updates you have on, on how Mumia is doing and what all we can do uh, to continue to fight for his freedom and, and challenge prison slavery in, in the context of Mumia and political prisoners. Um, Sophia, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi. Uh, good evening, everyone. Thank you, Tag and um, Brother Scotty, for having me on tonight. Um, so, as you were uh, saying, Tag, um, in terms of what's happening with Mumia, well, first let me introduce myself uh, for those that may not know. Um, my name is Sophia Williams, and I'm with the Campaign to Bring Mumia Home. Um, about six or so years now, and um, also an organizer, activist. Um, I like to call myself a radical activist, but it's it's work in progress. And um, really, my consciousness became into form uh, during the during my time of college and on the college campus. So. That's a little bit about me. Um, so what's happening with Mumia and what's kind of the latest and what is it that we're 
doing or looking to do uh, as we approach this second half of the new year, of the 2019. So I'm not sure if people know that um, Mumia has been in a different position legally for some time now. Um, so really quickly, uh, in December of last year, 2018, we had a huge victory around his case. Essentially, the judge ruled in Mumia's favor, um, saying that Mumia's past appeals that have all been denied are now open to be re-argued or can now be re-argued. Uh, his previous um, uh, PCRA appeals. And so that was incredible to have heard. Um, I don't know if many people know, but a legal victory in the courts for Mumia is not something that happens very often or has happened very often. True. And he hasn't had a legal victory in the courts for some time now. So that victory was a huge victory. And essentially what that victory said was that uh, if you are essentially, and Mumia's case people should know was essentially a um, another case set a precedent for his and other cases whereby a district attorney who played a lead role in one's case cannot then, as judge, cannot then re-argue that case or oversee that case once again. It is a... You mean sit, sit um, in on the appeals as uh, I think the prosecutor's name was Castillo, something like that. Yes, and, Ronald Castillo. Yeah, yes. and he got promoted or appointed to uh, higher state courts and then therefore he's sitting in on Mumia's appeals, right? Exactly. And so that constitutes a violation of the... Um, of the laws that 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 cannot be, and that's a that shows bias, and essentially that happened in Mumia's case, and that's how we have um, a legal victory at the moment for Mumia, uh, whereby Ronald Castile did those things, and um, most importantly, one of the key things that made a difference was that Ronald Castile was supported and funded by the Fraternal Order of Police during his time of running for judge of um, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So again, all of these things play a factor in how essentially um, we uh, got this far from Mumia. However, not long after the judge ruled in Mumia's favor, uh, the district attorney of Philadelphia essentially said, he is going to appeal the appeal. And so District Attorney Larry Krasner um, did do that. And we've been back and forth ever since. And essentially what that would do was to delay Mumia's case from going straight to the courts to look at his past appeals and to determine if there were violations from any one of those appeals. Uh, however, in the past, I don't know how, when this was, this may have been March or late February, District Attorney Krasner decided to take back his appeal of the judge's decision, and he 
has um, no longer um, carried on his appeal. So now we're now in a better position because, again, Mumia's case can go straight to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, to be looked at. And that's kind of where things are right now. Um, I think uh, his lawyers at some point this summer, I think the later part of this summer, are going to be making um, some kind of filing to uh, Mumia's behalf to the courts. And from there, it, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, in the past, we've been able to go into the courtroom and show support, but in this new instance, this is just a panel of judges that will look at the case and essentially were any one of his past appeals violated and then they'll make a decision. This is not something we as supporters can actually see face to face. I have a question. Um, so that's a gist of where we're at right now. I have a question, Sophia Tag, if you'll give me a second. Um, so what is the relief that Mumia is seeking? Is he seeking a new trial or just a total dismissal of the charges? And I would, you know, hope that if if he is well, I'm gonna put it this way, when he is granted a new trial, if that is indeed what he's seeking, um, that he will be granted release um, until the new trial. But can you can you explain that to us? What kind of relief he's seeking? Yes, definitely. So um, essentially, uh, Mumia is seeking a brand new trial for his release. I mean, essentially, we're all seeking his release. But ultimately, um, what this shows is that if any one of those appeals show a violation of some sort, that will automatically give him a new trial. And that will essentially give him um, release. Because with everything being thrown back into the courts again, and with all the evidence that were never brought um, to light in the first place, all of that will be brought into view. And so he's definitely seeking a new trial, and so that will ultimately, um, you know, lead to uh, a release. I hope my response was clear. Yes, ma'am. Really appreciate that, and would definitely like to elaborate on, you know, some of the most recent developments and how Mumia is doing uh, in general and uh, health-wise. I also would just, there, there is a, um, an unknown uh, caller on the line and we are looking out for a couple of calls from, from inside. Uh, I, I don't think that it would come up as that, but you know, just, just to uh, try and make sure that, that we're not missing anyone that's, that's calling with, you know, with those limited minutes, so. Yeah, let, let me say this tag that if a, a caller is um, not one of the scheduled guests and you have a quick question or comment that you're seeking clarification on whatever said, um, just hit star star, I'll see you and I'll come to you. Um, but we do want to be quick and concise as we have a uh, limited broadcast time. Tag. No doubt, no doubt. So again, that's, star star to let us know that you would like to speak and uh, we'll be able to unmute you. So um, as you pointed out, Brother Scotty, I seen on BTR community, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at 
the the honoring of the fact that it's been now 17 years uh, today since Mumia was put on death row. So a, a very significant day today in the struggle for Mumia's freedom and, uh, you know, very much appreciative and, you know, fighting that much harder knowing that he is no longer on death row. Uh, it's, an, it's been 10 years since uh, his classic jailhouse lawyers uh, dropped, which, you know, um, outstanding work just going into an area that that is really not covered very much uh, in literature, uh, the, the tremendous legal work that's done by heads on the inside, you know, who, who dis, you know, are, are able to dissect uh, that legalese and, and come to a real foundational uh, knowledge of, of how these court systems work uh, under the uh, most difficult circumstances. So shout out to that book and, um, and shouts to Mumia's continued work in uh, clarifying some of these issues around prison slavery in various different ways. So perhaps we can um, bring another of our guests into the discussion uh, at this point so that we can make sure that, that uh, everyone's able to introduce themselves and uh, we continue to discuss this theme of, of wrongful incarceration and, and uh, prison slavery. Also, and, Tag, and how- um, real quick, um, if people would like to uh, seek more information, uh, you can visit bringmomiahome.com. Bringmomiahome.com. You'll find a wealth of information there about this case. So, Tag, um, if you would call out the name of the person that you would like uh, to come on next so that they will know to unmute themselves by hitting star star. Absolutely, we'll do. Um, it seems as though uh, one of one of our callers from inside is about to uh, be able to call. So, if we could, if we could, right now, introduce uh, Kelly, um, who it appears is on the line. Uh, that that would be excellent. So I see I see that you're uh, able to be heard. So uh, we're speaking with Kelly. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Kelly. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Kelly. Um, I work with an organization called It's Up to Us to End Mass Incarceration. Um, I'm a longtime revolutionary organizer and have been working on issues of police brutality, incarceration, um, immigrants' rights, and against imperialist wars for several decades. Um, and right now we're working on a campaign to uh, demand the release of a young man named Christian Conyers, who, uh, should I continue? <laughs> or just introduce myself right now? No, please continue. Yeah, pardon that, I, I heard something, but yes, we're, we're talking with Kelly. It's up to us to end mass incarceration and just greatly appreciate your being able to step through on short notice. And um, please, if you could tell us more about uh, what's going on with Christian. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, yeah, Christian Conyers is uh, a young man, all too uh, common situation. Um, he's been in Rikers for over a year awaiting trial um, on charges that are basically trumped up. They don't really have any evidence against him. 
um, the the victim that he supposedly assaulted has recanted in several letters to the court. Um, he was coerced by uh, police to finger somebody to get out of his own charges, which is again, especially if people have, have seen the recent uh, Ava DuVernay uh, thing on um, the that, that it's all too common for people to get coerced into identifying other people. Are you talking um, about her documentary, When They See Us? Yes. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name. Um, but it's just an all too common situation. And um, he's should be out. And that's basically what we're trying to fight to uh, get him out on his own recognizance so that he can be with his family and uh, fight his fight his charges. I mean, it, you're right. It's very um, common in the justice system. I, I can just, in my years of uh, doing radio and covering certain stories, how um, you know people will so-called flip and finger somebody else to get less time. Um, I'm recalling a case where a, a young man was in college. And he he facilitated some kind of, of drug deal. Um, and then, you know, the people who were actually buying the drugs and selling the drugs ended up getting less time than this young man who was uh, eventually pardoned by uh, Barack Obama. Uh, so you're right. It, it's, uh, it's all too common. Um, but it, I'm like, if there's no witness and you have... Um, the so-called uh, victim uh, recanting them their story, I just don't, uh, it just makes no sense that a prosecutor would go forward. Like you said, they basically don't even have a case. So what's the point? Well, so that's, that's part of what we're asking people to do is um, he's, he's still in pretrial motions and his next court date is next week on July 9th. So we are asking people to call the district attorney Trisha, uh, on this case, Trisha Phillips, um, at 212-335-4231 and demand that he be let out on um, on his own recognizances and for the charges to be dropped because they don't have anything on him. And it's just all, as you said, it's all too common. I do. You know, <clears throat> go ahead. Oh, uh, pardon, I was just going to say, ideally, we'll hear from Christian, and I wanted to know if you had any updates from uh, Christian's most recent court appearance uh, earlier this month, but uh, please continue where you were looking to go with it. And Christian, if you're on the line, just hit star, star. <clears throat> go ahead. Um, I know that I'm, I'm not a lawyer at all, but I know that the the it's just been continuances so far, and they're basically trying to uh, contest whether his arrest was proper at this point. Um, it hasn't gone to a trial judge yet. Um, but what, part of what we're doing is, you know, we want to organize those that are most affected by this whole um, mass incarceration and criminal injustice system uh, to stand with each other and be part of building a movement and win some small victories to like get build our strength to be able to really like take on this whole system and it really needs to be 
you know, rooted amongst people that are like affected by it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's part of what this is. This is a, a beginning step of like trying to, because we can't rely on the courts. We can't rely on lawyers. We can't rely on politicians. We have to rely on each other standing up with each other. They try to like separate everybody, you know, court case by court case and like, you know, but it's only if we stand with each other and have each other's backs on, on all of these different aspects of things that we can like go up against this. I have a question, Kelly. Um, you know, speaking mm -hmm. of small victories, I saw it as a large victory and I do another program on a network called BTR News. And I was pleasantly surprised to find out that Bank of America was withdrawing all of its funding and underwriting of private prisons. Um, and before that, and I hadn't even heard that news, but J.P. Morgan Chase, as well as Wells Fargo, which dates back uh, to pre-1865 slavery, had also uh, ended their underwriting of private prisons. Now, um, a lot of credit rightfully goes to those who are focusing on the uh, um, what I feel like the wrongful to detention of migrants seeking asylum um, but like I try to point out to people and you know again some people I, I just have to you know look over them when they try to divide us along racial lines and saying you know you black why you care about you know what's happening to those migrants and what have you well it's because I understand that the system you know the same system that's caging them is caging us as well you know many US citizens are in private prisons and the private prison lobby is responsible um, in large part for a lot of the uh, uh, sentencing uh, guidelines and lobbying to keep people in, in prison uh, longer. So, you know, I thought that was no small victory. Uh, those are the three largest banks that are investing in that, but there's still uh, several more that pressure needs to be put on them to stop underwriting uh, prison slavery as well. Precisely which goes right back to what you were saying, Kelly, about this need to push back against all of the segmentation and through different categories or this case and that case that, that you spoke of, because, you know, that, that collective pressure is what really, you know, will be able to move some of these slavery corporations and, and entities uh, towards some kind of uh, step back from, from what they're doing. And it also, it looked like, uh, Sophia, you wanted to chime in on that. Uh, could we go back to you for a sec? Um, I think she just, um, we just left her line open. I, I'm not sure. I'll go ahead and mute her. Uh, so, here. Okay, um, there she goes. There she goes. Uh, go ahead, Sophia. Sorry. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, thank you for this. I forgot your name, uh, Kelly. sister, but Kelly, nice to meet you, Kelly. Um, yeah, I, I really like the, where this discussion is going and the, um, the details that are shared. Uh, definitely, however, starting off first, like however we, um, in the Mumia campaign can help get the news about, uh, making calls to the DA office. That would be great if you can repeat that again at some point and um, if you can probably send that over to our email that would be awesome as well and I can put that out there 
Um, on this topic as well, I, I do think it's important. One of the things I heard you say that was um, really poignant is that, you know, um, this, to fight this injustice system, it really needs to be rooted, as you said, by those that are affected by it. And um, it, it, when you said that, it came to me of the different district attorneys that are popping up wherever you look as progressive DAs and how it seems as if they're going to be the be-all savior of the criminal injustice system. And um, it just brought me back to that larger issue of, well, we just need to reform the system, right? That's the key word that is used ever so often. And at the end of the day, that's not something that can actually help uh, the plight that we've been in for a minute now. So um, I wanted to just bring that in because people are happy to see these progressive kinds of minds. And I, too, am elated for that in a number of ways, but I also understand that uh, a struggle that's not rooted in going to the root causes, but just kind of chipping away at the surface level issues and using reform as the thing to do is not going to get us far anytime soon. Um, and even, you know, what you said, Brother uh, Scotty, about, well, how is it that people are asking, how is it that you're supporting migrants and that's that issue or those issues? And what you said was brilliant. And it's, 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 it's brilliant, not only for how you said it, but also this is something that Mumia has talked about over and over in his, in his lifetime. Like he's always encouraging us to look at the various issues that are out there, the, the issues of oppressed people and support all these issues, his issues not above anyone else's issue, and we're all in this together, and it's just important that we identify with what's happening on the border or in this country or in this state, because, again, it's happening to every one of us, and um, it's important that we keep that, that fabric together rather than um, the fragmentation instead. So that's just kind of my you know, thoughts on this briefly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Brother Scotty, we're looking at the half hour. So I don't know if you wanted to go with a statement. Yeah, yeah I'll just hey, um, uh, just want to do a quick station identification. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. This program airs live every Wednesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, tag no doubt. Much appreciated. And speaking of Mumia and uh, the aforementioned work, uh, Jailhouse Lawyers, there's an entire chapter dedicated to specifically this question of, of so-called jailhouse lawyers that are in fact informing to these various uh, facilities and, and how that's used as one of the many mechanisms uh, on the inside that they have to you know, pressure people into or coerce people into uh, taking you know whatever kinds of charges they they try and fabricate on them. So uh, Kelly uh, certainly hear you on on how that issue is you know impacting 
this this particular instance of, of bogus charges and, and so many others on the outside and on the inside. So um, really, really appreciate y'all uh, drawing our attention to these uh, critical issues. And if we could, I would like to introduce another uh, one of our guests for the evening, Sis uh, Basir, who is struggling against the wrongful conviction uh, of her son, uh, who's who's facing uh, time out in Indiana for uh, some some bogus charges, and and um, ideally, Sis Basir uh, can can help shed some light and and ideally uh, draw some support uh, from from the abolitionist community in any way that can uh, help her son out of this, you know, uh, circumstance. So, Sis Basir, uh, glad that you were able to join the call. Uh, peace. Peace and blessings to everybody. Freedom land as my, as my uh, belated, beloved uh, mentor, Brother Sundiata Sadiq, who just had a birthday pass on July 1st. Rest in peace in heaven and rest in power. Um, I'm, can you hear me well? Everybody? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. Alhamdulillah. All right. Um, my name is Sister Rakiba Fatima Basir. I also wrongfully convicted, but I'm, I'm not going to spread it like my son, who's never had a chance in life to Roger Dean, was wrongfully convicted last year in the state of uh, Indiana before a judge who was pseudo lawyer as well as a judge. A jury trial he had. And misrepresented, unfortunately, by one of these Negro lawyers, a sellout named by the name of Attorney William Hawkins. This is like a, a case of a government entrapment. Um, on, back in March, and my son offered you that he just came home from Georgia. He was locked up from the age of 15 and didn't come out till he was 35 years old. On a um, allegedly on robbery charges in the state of Georgia. He wanted so much being that he never had the opportunity to go on a vacation, never had a normal life like normal teenagers would, and had to be compelled to grow up inside the slave catcher's belly, the prison system of Georgia. He wanted to go on vacation. He wanted to see what opportunities were out there for him. Unfortunately, he got involved with some woman named Cynthia Forster, an older woman who had affiliations with these individuals who, unbeknownst to my son, didn't know had any criminal intent. They knew of his desire to go on vacation, so he went along with them in this, to the state of Indiana from the state of Georgia. When they got to a rest stop and a hotel there, the female, and unbeknownst to my son, the female asked my son to go to the store for her. So he did so. Him and a young brother named by the name of Jamal Wilkinson, the alleged hitman. They get to the Walmart, I understand. I think Walmart, yeah, Walmart, my son said. Get to the Walmart, and he's on the camera on actual video buying a soda. The other young brother was buying dark clothing. So due to his hanging out with them, they were riding around for some reason or the other, the police, and I thank God my son was not murdered, the police stopped them when they all asked them to exit out of the car. 
My son said, according to him, he said he did not know there was a magazine on the side that he was sitting on. He had no knowledge of such. Unfortunately, because of this here, he got arrested with a group of 21 other individuals whom I found out were being investigated by the feds. Now, like I said, my son only had affiliation with this female, Cynthia Forster, who brought him out there. She's affiliated with all these individuals. So unbeknownst to him, he got arrested along with these other people who are under investigation by the feds and the state of that particular uh, county, Kokomo. As my son went through the process there, right, the female I offer you from what the news report said was caught with the weapons inside the hotel when my son wasn't even there. And as she tried to escape, the police arrested her. I don't know what she said to them to save her butt. As, as she, like I said, as she was caught out there, her and the individuals are not incarcerated. My son is. She received a sentence for, I guess, whatever her um, participation in snitching of two years time served and two years probation and was extradited to the state of Georgia. The young brother who was a hitman, alleged hitman, who was wanted for murder in another state, he got off, was never prosecuted along with the other individuals involved. My son had a, a judge trial represented by an attorney named William Hawkins with a CD background. Now, I offer you this attorney was arrested for DWI and sex in one of his clients, was disbarred, and then mysteriously reinstated. How he became my son's lawyer is beyond my comprehension. But the fact that this attorney told my son, you're black, you're Muslim, and you're from out of state, you're going to be found not guilty without making any effort of trying to represent my son and give him a diligent defense. There's no DNA involved. There's nothing involved that could, lead, that could point in the direction of my son of taking somebody's life. Yet and still, he's the only one that's incarcerated. So I really appreciate you breaking down some of those particulars uh, about what's being done to your son out there. And I know that uh, Kokomo, uh, this area in Indiana, uh, has a particular rep you know, uh, reputation with regard to especially you know, uh, racialized individuals. And you, you alluded yes. to it a bit before. So could you just kind of expand on that a bit and let us know uh, how you know that, that this was an unjust trial from, from the jump out, out in Kokomo? Well, to my, to my knowledge and from what has been reported is that this is a state that's, that's representative of the Vice President Mike Pence. There is the racial inequality as well as the racial disparity in regards of the prison system. Though there are uh, marginally Caucasians that are, Caucasians that are incarcerated, you offer you the all Aryan nation. They are still my son, along with other black and brown people, are are see a brown. There are faces of brown. How can I say brown? Black and brown faces in the sea of white. 
And would would you consider being uh, indentured, you know, slavery within that system there? Um, When it comes to black and brown people in that state, there's never a fair trial. Um, The disparity in the sentencing, especially like in his case, 35 years for a so-called allegedly uh, attempted murder that was never committed by my son. As I said, no DNA, no weapons, just guilty by association. Yet and still, he's sentenced to 35 years, whereas I feel as though if he was <clears throat> Caucasian, maybe he would have had a less, uh, lesser, uh, lesser uh, sentence. He would not have been sentenced to 35 years. And as they encage us, in this prison injustice system, they do so by by passing on to and capture our children and enslave them. Uh, so Roger Dean, as I said before, never had an opportunity to grow up as a normal teenager. You know, his his association with this woman and these people that she's affiliated with. And I offer you that my son comes from, and I'm not trying to disparage him by saying this, he comes from the mentality of of a 15-year-old. He was locked up at the age of 15, and most of my children to a fault have a good heart like their mother. So therefore, you know, they're not as discerning when it comes to judgmental of, of, of certain individuals who have different agendas compared to theirs. Yes, he's 37 years old as an adult, but his mentality, as I said, is coming from a 15-year-old. He's never had that opportunity like normal children, you know, normal teenagers, to grow up, to go to high school and college, to engage with other young people, to go to, you know, to, to be able to progress in life, you know? Everybody's... Uh, um, for some reason or the other one, we're dealing with the prison and justice system and the slave and slavery, which has never left America. We 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 deal on the basis of how these people, in some way, designed the life for individuals, their parents, that they did in slavery, their children, and or any loved one or anyone affiliated with them. We also have those amongst us which I understand the Nat Turner Center because of the fact that we have sellouts. We have individuals who, by whatever means necessary to save their own behind, will lie at any cost to make sure that they don't receive a lengthy sentence at the disservice of, of somebody that's innocent. We've seen this already, and as I heard you mention, uh, when they see us, which I've had the opportunity to attend the premiere of it as well as watch the whole thing on Netflix. You know, I'm a friend of the, one of the mothers, and I'm also a member of uh, Justice for the Wrongfully Incarcerated, um, as well as my affiliation with other heavy hitters in the movement, Abdul Majid, Sister Afini Shakur, who worked with my mother and myself at the Bronx Legal Services back in the day when I was a junior legal intern. So... You know, coming up under these individuals, I've had the opportunity to be woke to the point where you are cognizant of when they make these uh, uh, alleged charges, whether against you or your family members, you have to be cognizant enough to recognize that you have to question the validity. You have prosecutors as well as police officers, and I tell people all the time, the police are allowed while they're in their first years 
in the police department to attend uh, law school, and they studied penal law. And with penal, well, upon them studying penal law, they also learned how to create motives, lies, to coincide with those charges. So when they arrest people, beat them into false confessions, or, 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 or as, as we say, as being coerced to the point two, three, four days without food, water, you know, people that have a habit of, uh, uh, of drugs or cigarettes, you know, they coerce them and they force them in these situations to give false testimony. With my son's case, that's not the, that's not the case at all. All right. There was also uh, um, an allegation uh, of a recording. So when my son asked the judge or asked the prosecutor to have that offered, there was nothing offered. So where do they get these other allegations of uh, of him making a confession or or he, they have these recordings of him confessing to a crime. Where are they? We don't find none of these things that exist in here. So now, it, now, now he's serving 35 years for something he didn't do this time. We're trying to uh, find him a lawyer, a qualified attorney. Uh, one price was 15000 the one that offered the four thousand, they said that they were not they, they could only get the conviction overturned, but they would not invest in the work the you know, the work that was needed in order to get the whole case dismissed. Understandably because it's a um what the what what do they call it? Um oh God, what do they call I know what they call it. I'm kinda like stuck here for words. But the case had made the papers. Everything that has, um, forgive me, any, any, any case that has, um, has drawn that much notoriety to the public, is some, for some reason or the other, they want an uh, insurmountable amount of money to, in order to have the case overturned, and I guess for them to get paid as well. So right now, you know, I'm in the midst of, and hoping, like with the help of others, to try, uh, we're setting up a cash out fund. It's under my name, but it's also under my name. It says at Roger Dean one in order to raise funds for his uh, defense to have this post conviction come about so his name could be cleared. Because there's nothing leading my son to any attempted murder. This is government informant as well as those affiliated with him, they are they had won the case against a prosecutor named Bio and someone and another prosecutor named Minker. They won the case against them. So the this the prosecutor, US attorney as well as the prosecutor, appealed it. So I I I assume and I don't want to make a behind out of myself, I assume some deal was was probably uh, met with them and this individual here, and this is how my son got caught up mm. in the process, mm. not knowing what their agenda, these people that he was affiliated and those affiliated with this female, Cynthia Forster, and he got caught out there, and he's only guilty by association, nothing else. Yeah, that kind of 
reminds me of the Bronx 120 case, which was largely built against those young men on guilt by association. Um, Tag, I just want to let you know um, it is okay (laughs) if we go over an hour, take as much time as needed to get through all all your guests. Um, Sister Basia, can you give out that that, um, fundraising uh, information again um, that you gave out? Because I couldn't hear you clearly. Oh, I apologize. I have a cash app that's under it's under my name, but it's for my son. I've been trying to edit it so it wouldn't have my name there, but in order for it to receive the funds, being that I don't have my son doesn't have an account, I have to use my account. But it's under Rakiva, capital R A Q B. Hey, are you okay over there, my brother? I'm sorry. Hello? Oh, there's some water or something. Nobody's choking on the air. <laughs> uh, no, that was that was one of the guests. Um, but um, yeah, uh, if uh, tag, uh, oh. if you can get that information, I'm not sure that I have that information in our write up uh for tonight. So if you can get that information. Um, for the cash app, then I definitely uh, will add that to uh, tonight's uh, description of tonight's program because other people will come listen to it later on the podcast. Tag? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll send that as a message. And again, that's Rakiba F. Basir. And that's F. on the. Yes, yes. Rakiba F. as in Frank uh, Basir. It's on the cash app. And you'll see underneath it'll say "Free Sirajuddin One." And uh, is there any other contact information that you would like to share with us? Um, we'll we'll check in with everyone else as well to make sure that you know heads that want to support uh, these these issues and and y'all's uh, organizations and individuals can can contact you. So, is there any contact information you would like to um, leave? I'd, I'd like to introduce uh, one of our other guests as well. Uh, perhaps uh, you, yeah. Brother Todd, if, if you're available. Um, Sister Basir, go ahead and give out any yes, contact okay. info. Yes. My email is Bill A is an apple, S is in Sam, I is an ice cream, R is in raspberry, R is in raspberry again, F is in free, the number one at gmail.com and write my son when he's incarcerated at Pendleton Correctional Facility his name is Sarajuddin Abdul Qadir that is spelled capital S I R as in raspberry A is an apple J is in jump U D D I N as a Nancy, the last A, a period, and capital Q, A is an apple, D is in David, I is an ice cream, R is in raspberry, Kadir. And the institutional number is uh, 251-346. Uh, the facility is Pendleton. P E N P that's P is in poor E N 
D L E T O N. Correctional facility is at 4490 Capital W for West Reformatory Road. Pendleton, again, capital P E N D L E T O N, Indiana. The zip code is 46064-9071. All right, thank you. Tag. You're welcome. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to come on air again for any updates for my son. Yes, ma'am. Of course. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate this very much, Brother Scott. I know it took a minute. But Sriracha Dean is having some difficulties, as I told um, and, you know, he's not a slouch. You know, I want him to focus on the fees. in the lower library, but there's been issues inside the facility that has been procreated by the police in there. And I have concerns. I've been trying to reach out. I haven't heard from him sometime, for some time. And, you know, we're just trying to stay abreast to find out what's going on. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you very much for having me, and I hope to be on the cast again. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, and, and no apologies needed. We know that under prison slavery and the, the various different ways that they attempt to disrupt lives and make it as difficult as possible, you know, to do this or that, to make visits, to call, you know, all of these different ways that, that they, you know, create barriers, further barriers, you know, between us and our loved ones. So um, fully, fully recognize where you're coming from on that. And I, it looks as though uh, Brother Jihad is, is on the line. If, if you are there and you want to unmute yourself uh, to uh, continue this discussion around prison slavery and the uh, wrongful charging, convicting, holding of, of, heads uh, out here and inside of these prison plantations. It's a star star to unmute yourself. Okay, Tag, Tag, he might be having some issues. If you, you should be able to unmute him. Am I, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Welcome, Brother Jihad. Okay, all right, peace, brother. Assalamualaikum to everybody. Thank you, Tag. Thank you, my brother. I was hitting my own mute button, but that wasn't enough. Okay. If you would yeah, like to in, introduce yourself and um, any organizational information and, and then go into the subject matter that you would like to share with us tonight. Yes. Again, uh, greetings and peace to everybody, and thank you, brothers, for inviting me on the program. I've been listening since the beginning, so um, for the brother Max and, and, and those other brothers and sisters that were mentioned about their failing health and, you know, our, our prayers go out to them always because a lot of us are getting older and been involved for decades in these movements and that is the reality. So we just got to do what we can to take care of each other and our health. But I am, um, I am the chairperson of the National Jericho Movement, which was started in 1998 uh, by uh, a sister by the name of uh, Safi Bukhari, who's passed away, and Herman Ferguson. What? Baba uh, Ferguson also passed away. And Jalil Abdul Mutakin, a political prisoner uh, who is still incarcerated in the New York um, state system, 
one of the, I think he's the only known anyway Black Panther because he's been there for 48 years, which is uh, one of the individuals I'd like to talk about um, briefly tonight, just highlighting his case and not so much his case as an individual, but how it impacts political prisoners that have been in the movements from the 60s and the 70s up until now. Um, but uh, just a little more information on Jericho. It's an organization that campaigns for the freedom and release of domestic political prisoners. Those overlooked group <laughs> when it comes down to pretty much anything, actually. Um, I was listening to the um, the congressional hearings on the, the renewed energy behind the issue of reparations. And, mm-hmm. and um, Jericho is sending word out to say that uh, any initiative that speaks about reparation for black people and people of color. If it doesn't mention free and captives, it is bogus. Brother Jihad, can you hear me? Yes, Brother Jihad, to your point, thank you for mentioning that. Um, That's something that I had failed to mention because I also, not really being critical, but observant, and that there were no abolitionists on that panel for H.R. 40, and you're talking about reparations for slavery that has never been abolished. And, you know, I also, I've stated that um, any reparation movement should include the repeal and replacement of the 13th Amendment with another amendment that makes no exception for slavery. But thank you, and I will, uh, in my broadcast, mention that it should also include the freeing of all our political prisoners. So thank you for making that important point. Yeah, you're very welcome, my brother. And, and, and just even offline uh, after this, you know, and moving forward, definitely would like to collaborate with you on any way that uh, Jericho can help you with those type of efforts, you know, uh, in abolishing the 13th Amendment. Because it all comes down to, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, you know, we listening to individual cases and how reprehensible and egregious they have been and um, and attention they definitely need. But also um, on a broader scale, we look at how we can effectuate um, real structural changes in policy um, and that type of uh, activity that, that is going on in different organizations, which I'm going to briefly mention later on, that's addressing things to help sisters and brothers get out of prison. But uh, that's what Jericho does. So we, we deal with uh, campaigning for political prisons. We have, um, I guess, a 30 some odd prisoners on our website and by all means for the listeners that's not the, the total list of political prisoners in the United States but what we've tried to do we've tried to represent those that were involved in the movements of the 60s and 70s you know the anti-imperialist the uh, American Indian movement uh, the Black Panther Party and Black Liberation Army and the move members that are being finally released one by one um, and the Virgin Island Brothers uh, and all those that have put in between there, and we have some international prisoners on our list also. So we campaign in whatever way, supporting them at parole when they approach parole. We try to have letter writing campaigns to to bolster their parole package. Um, when it is um, on the radar to do, we uh, start campaigns to, to uh, petition for their clemency, either state or federal. And um, but we also do a lot of busy work in and trying to um, make, maintain support for them for their health and well-being while incarcerated from coming down to commissary funds and they have illnesses and, and things medically going on with them. We try to call them into the prison, but we, we try to do call them into the prison 
and, and put that pressure where it's needed so to make sure that everybody's getting the most optimum um, medical attention and care as, as possible, you know. So um, those are the things that Jericho does on a routine basis and visiting prisoners. And I would like to say, proudly say that Jericho Census Inception has always been an organization not only representing political prisoners, but it is run by political prisoners. Myself, I've done 23 years in prison. I was a member of the Black Liberation Army and the Pentecost Party. Had two bank robbery cases, which I'm proud to mention that we were trying to blow them out the water. Um, we were trying to establish uh, our own nation back across the Republic of New Africa. Everybody can remember from 68 in the five states down south, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. But those days are moving forward up into 2019. So here's the deal. I just want to highlight one case briefly, and that's the Lev Benita King, one of the former members, founding uh, members of the Europe uh, Movement. He's going up to parole September the 11th um, on our website, um, www.jericho movement. Very simple to access. Has some information there, you know. Um, just to support him going up to the parole board. Uh, he went uh, about maybe uh, last fall, he went, and they denied him parole. This will be the 12th time that he's going up. But I want to a nuance. There's something that's happening here that uh, listeners really need to um, understand. Um, because of the, um, and this is not a criticism, but because of the, the waning and falling off of the, the intensity of the movements, and even this, the the movements don't exist to the power and statue that we, everybody knows that we agree with that. And the movements that we were involved in for our own independence and self-determination that do not exist. And now you have these comrades that's been in prison for like one or five decades. You know, they're, they are being put in a position where in order for them to gain their freedom, they have to, like, recapitulate, they have to grovel the ground, and then maybe they'll get released. Uh, and, and, and so... Idealistically, we would say that we demand the release of these prisoners. But on on the other side of it, we are trying to tiptoe strategically, you know, to get them released on parole. And and, and sisters and brothers have been being released on parole. Um, nobody's really being released. Nobody, because of any movement as such as uh, power movement on the people. Maybe letter writing campaigns and putting that type of pressure, yes, but that's different. So it's just something that, you know, Jericho is always putting under the microscope to look at. You know, I, I, 23 years pales into very little compared to somebody's car, say, six years ago. You realize that these sisters and brothers, these brothers are being put under a situation that, you know, they have to be silent about how the sacrifice they give them their life if they're going to get out, otherwise they won't get out. It's a very problematic uh, situation, but it's what's happening now, and all of us need to really look at this and see how we can really address it. So for Brother Jalil, you know, we've, we've um, had a very good uh, letter campaign going on, and when back in May, uh, there was a letter that was sent out by a lot of activists, including um, um, love sister Angela Davis and other activists that were involved, Cornelius, and Danny Glover and others that, you know, that co-signed onto this letter that went to uh, Governor Cuomo. And the reason why we're going to Governor Cuomo is because Jalil himself had um, 
put in an application for clemency back in, in the last year. So we're trying to show somebody that, you know, the state of hand of the state with their negative influences as a pro board to show that he does have uh, rounded community support. And this brother is totally absent. I was parole. Uh, he got the fight for life, not life without parole. So the sentencing judge did within his sentence to um, give him the opportunity to be released. And naturally, we have the negative reactionary um, uh, feedback of the um, of the New York Police Department. So as such, you know, but we're trying to neutralize the state government so that their influence will not be negative or at all on the approval when he goes back up in September. Not so much that the government would uh, release him on, on uh, releasing opportunity would be something, wouldn't it? But uh, more so to show that, you know, people from all walks of life in, in the state of New York, you know, are supporting this brother. If anybody wants to add their support to that, um, I guess a good way to do it is to um, contact myself at jihad at gmail.com. It's just my name, jihad. Okay. If you watch the news, you should know it's from jihad, I guess. <clears throat> but J-I-H-A-D and Abdul, A-B-D-U-L, you meet M-U-M-I-T at gmail, and I can send you in the right direction. Jalil has a very strong preparation team led by attorney Noel Carroll, and they do an excellent job in prepping him for the questions and and I guess you know how to navigate uh, these two, three, four, five, six-hour full hearings. If you can even imagine that, brother Jihan. The thing you can make here is that um, besides listening to the individual cases of the sister and the other was on before me, you know, we were also trying to go at policy to change the fact that they would even end up in prison. Policy that changes the way um, cases of prosecution, persecuted, prosecuted changes in the way the jury selection, changes in the way that the parole board, you know, to make sure that they don't refer to the original offense when they offense their rules of court. The original charge as such um, when they go up to parole board that their inside record would be looked at, which your little has a stellar record inside of, of a Z and accomplishment. Um, and that we'll hold them to the gun on that. So Jericho and other like minded organizations are also, like I said, attacking policy. And we're at that point of attacking policy. That is that's the real deal. I mean, I mean, short of any more muscular movement, which we always would try to advocate for, but also there has to be another hand that deals with that strategic letter writing, that strategic meeting with people, the strategic being in the right place at the right time, not so much by masses of numbers, but really strong thinking, clear thinking, strategic thinking individual that can really um Mm-hmm. Put the pen to paper and bring about those changes in policy. Now, when and you say play a significant role in that, when, brother um, Jihad, when you say uh, brother uh, Jaleel, you're talking about uh, Jaleel Montekin, right? Right, Anthony Bottom. That was his uh, name. Government name, Anthony Bottom. Um, I, I would just like right now on air, um, we used to have a weekly program called Political Prisoner. 
radio, um, the co-host and producer of that ran into some problems with life. And I just already had too much on my plate. And unfortunately, I couldn't continue uh, with that broadcast. But I would like to offer um, you right now and your organization, um, you know, we just uh, launched a program on the first and third Mondays within COBRA for the issue of reparations because a lot of people don't know who COBRA is or the work that they do. And so I like to extend that same offer to your organization, whether it's... It is a live broadcast on our network, a weekly broadcast, or whether it's access to our platform to to publish blogs, publish podcasts, anything. Um, I, I just want to offer that because I feel really, really bad about not being able to continue political prisoner radio because those individuals sacrifice so much for, you know, not just me, but all of us. And, and so I want to do what I can. Definitely appreciate that, brother. Uh, an invitation uh, definitely accepted. But uh, don't don't feel bad, brother. If I can just personalize it, because all of us are getting old. You know, I joined the Panther Party at uh, 16. I didn't have children, and you know, I could jump off a three-story building if I had to. Now I'm 64, give me a turn 65. You know, I have four kids, you know, grandkids, and I got two jobs. You know, don't feel bad about anything. You, you, just the, you know, we're up against it. We have to read the conditions, social, political, economic conditions of the times of where we're at. You know, it's not necessarily revolution time. You know, people are even scared to talk about the word socialism. And people, community people, like people in the hood, you know, the, the lump and how you want to, you know, they don't even know what it is anymore. And I'm not being cynical, but um, and then you have, you know, the Republicans and such is such a big you know, academic issue about what it really is. Uh, and, you know, we, we were advocating a socialist, um, revolutionary socialist government full-heartedly, 100%, back in, 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 at the tail of the civil rights movement going into the liberation struggles, calling for independence and that type of government. And so far have we fallen away from even identifying with these words, socialism, what is imperialism? You know, they're talking about the Russians in different elections in the United States are trying to, to fabricate a, a, a facilitate a coup in Venezuela. You know, they even, the United States tampers in their own elections. That's what they call gerrymandering. So blacks don't get powerful. But nobody calls it out. I mean, so what the Russians are tampering? We've been tampering into the point of, of outright full-scale violence and overthrowing of government. You know, and and it's just so that but people are not really grasping it. And it's just, you know, I'm just myself, I'm just looking at maybe the pendulum of, pendulum of consciousness will swing back. Um, you know what, but I just, I know I'm, I'm going to finish so somebody can get on, but when I was incarcerated, I was incarcerated as one brother. Um, his name was Miguel Ayad, he's my workout running partner, and um, he was on the first grade of prison to send a bombing case, so um, we're in the prison together in Lewisburg, so he made a comment to me that, that really stuck in my mind and annoyed the heck out of me when he said it. But um, he said that it's, it's just not bad enough. It's the only reason. I mean, it's, this is a unique society where you have uh, so many, like Malcolm said, trinkets and bobbins and distractions, and now it's even worse with smartphones and this and that. So a cop can shoot somebody just like Donald Trump said he could shoot somebody, and you'll still vote for him. Well, you know, you'll have an emotional response erupting the street. It's just so much, and it's becoming so normalized. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we're going to necessarily break that cycle, ex- 
continue to do what we do with our talk shows, our blog talk shows, mm-hmm. our own personal activism, our collaborating with one another by all means, you know, because you know, I personally believe a lot can shift the situation. We just want to be ready to respond. But um, it's been normalizing. I mean, like, when I leave here on my job, brother, I'm in the hood every day. I'm a case manager, I'm an HIV case manager, to make sure that prisoners coming out get uh, that are HIV positive, get their medication. I'm in the hood, I'm in the crack houses every day. And the ignorance is the, makes you want to vomit, man. Oh. You don't talk about that. The ignorance makes you mm-hmm. want to vomit. I mean, it's like... um. Mm-hmm. I mean, we was in the Black Panther Party, but it's the same, but two hurricanes can't blow at the same time. So when we're there, you can't sell drugs, you can't run your hood, but there's no organizations like that. You know, that you're not going to go on the street corner and tell them jokers to stop doing this and that. You can put, you, it'd be safer for you to protest a policeman shooting a black person, because even yeah. in the violence, the racism, you can kind of like bank them the fact that they're not going to bust out the front door and just blow everybody away. It could happen, mm-hmm. but you ain't. You go down there for good on that corner and mess with Jojo, and he may smoke your whole thing. You don't even control that knucklehead. Mm. And we're scared of our own people. We're scared to go. We'll, we'll look at uh, the police, try to hold them in check because that's a safe boundary line. Oh, yeah, they shot the sister. They did that to Sandra Bland. They did that. They did all that. Yeah, I know. Michael Brown laid in the street for hours. I got that. You put it the police. They form a bar- barricade, you know, and nothing's a standoff and break the window. But go down in the neighborhood and try to check your own people, man. You ain't going to do that because you ain't even got the courage to do it. Mm. You ain't got mm-hmm. the wherewithal to do it. You'll keep your programs at universities and safe zones. You ain't going to go up in the hood and see nothing. And we lost that, that, that. And so when we talk about a movement, we're talking about a movement without our people. Right. Because we can't even connect with them. Right. And I know I'm going off with something like that, but that's Jalil. That was his mission. That's what he's in prison representing. Black Panthers is about like, 12 of them still in prison on our website, and I know there's probably many more in there unknown mm-hmm. So my salute to all of those that's not being recognized by name and all those that's not that politically conscious to all our sisters and brothers suffering in the prisons and the gulags, that one day we'll make that change because the ninth point of the 10-point uh, platform of the Black Panther Party is to release the prisoners from prison. I'm right here. My love, I'm open for comments and questions. In the meantime, I'm just going to chill out and listen to the next event. Thanks, Brother Jihad. Tag. Yes, greatly appreciate it, Brother Jihad. And uh, part of what you're saying is reminding me uh, one time after Sekou Odinga was, was finally released, you know, referring mm-hmm. to the fact that, you know, in the in the wake of 9-11, you know, the, the number of political prisoners that we have, uh, you know, in on these prison plantations, you know, just skyrocketed, skyrocketed to the point that, you know, it, it could be in the, in the thousands, um, you know, it's kind of unfathomable to think about, you know, how many uh, political prisoners there are behind, you know, that, that new wave of targeting that occurred uh, post 9-11, uh, especially... Ooh. You know, among the Muslim community, and 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 how uh, suppressed and silenced that that is. But I, I greatly appreciate your your contributions as as always, and and your speaking on the political prisoners and just the political scenario that we have out here uh, yeah. and on the inside today. And uh, I'd like to 
introduce uh, another uh, one of uh, our Tag, I'm, I'm sorry. Before you do, sorry to interrupt you. Um, just want to give another no station identification. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. Um, in case you did not know, we recently received a number one ranking in the area of black digital radio and podcasting by independent marketing research firm, firm based in India. Um, this network is managed by the nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. Tag. Absolutely, and thank you for that. And, and we know that there are very few and, and constantly shrinking uh, platforms and spaces in general where, where we could really build you know, on discussions about uh, how to dismantle prison slavery and, and the various facets of that. So um, certainly, you know, always appreciate Black Talk Media Project, Black Talk Radio Network. And um, so again, uh, we, we have Kendra here on the line who, um, if you could just unmute yourself, Kendra, it's star star to unmute yourself. Uh, the fiance of a brother and comrade uh, who is facing wrongful charges, who is inside right now as we speak. Uh, we would have loved to have heard from him as well, uh, but because of conditions uh, where he is right now, that uh, ideally you can elaborate upon Kendra. Uh, he will be able to join us tonight. Uh, but uh, please, if you could just um, introduce yourself to us and, and let us know uh, what yourself and your fiance are up against uh, at this moment and how we can be of support. Uh, yes, my name is Kendra. I'm not giving my last name. But yes, my fiance is locked up now in MDC in Manhattan. He was wrongfully um, arrested for a robbery. Um, a robbery that he didn't commit. I've been given proof to the um, court system that um, not only, not only was, uh, uh, how you say it, uh, confession from the, co the so-called co-defendant and also pictures mm. showing that he was not there at the time of the robbery. Well, mm. as of, um, um, after giving them this on June 5th, on June 18th, they decided to come, I live in Massachusetts, He's incarcerated in New York. As I gave them, as I blew their case, the district attorney, Matthew Tyne, Simon, he decided to go get a search warrant for my apartment. Mind you, I just moved into this new apartment in Ludlow. No one has my, no one has the new address. They came in, guns right in my face early in the morning. I'm on the phone with them. Somebody bangs, boom, boom. Next thing I know, I open the door. I got a bunch of police at my door with a bunch of guns. Mm. Talk about we have a search warrant. I'm like, a search warrant for what? Oh, we got a search warrant out of New York for a home invasion. I'm like, what home invasion? What are you talking about? And how did y'all get my address? Because I just moved here. Um, Come to find out, the district attorney at NYPD decided that because I blew their case, that basically they were going to use me against to get to him so he could cop a plea, um, cop a plea in their case. I'm not going home until this is over with. I'm tired of it. It had nothing to do with him. I don't know why. Because he has, he's, he's on parole for a murder, for murder. And he came home. He was doing right, going to school. He was working with my brother and everything. This makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. I have no criminal history. None of that. I mean, they really went out. They drove me around the block, had me in cuffs. 
the, the um <laughs> officer searched me. The male officer, mind you, I have on a nightgown, yeah. no panties and no bra. I'm yelling at you against the fence. Yeah, and they threw me against the. I'm getting to that, Jenny. Wow. They um threw me against the fence, searched me. The male searched me while a female stood there. Massachusetts, a male is not supposed to touch you. That's right. But they took you around the corner with you. Yeah, they took me around the corner in the car and had me watch them. When I got back into my home, you guys, it was towed up from the flow up. They threw, mind you, his stuff was in the corner. I made that clear. If y'all looking for something in his stuff, his stuff, I have pictures and everything. His stuff is nice and neat. All my stuff was thrown to the floor, broken. My car, I'm watching them bang on my car, dent my car up and everything. Then they also wow. had the nerve to say to me, oh, I can lock you up. Lock me up for what? Lock me up for what? For what? I didn't do anything. I have nothing to do with this case whatsoever. Oh, I know what you got to do. Lock me up. Because it's $1,000 a day that I'm going to sit there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to $1,000 a day for a falsely arrest. Then at meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm waiting for a paper to see what they took out of my house. I haven't gotten anything since. And I'm not going to my house because now that I know what's going on, you're not locking me up to just to get to somebody. I'm not sitting in no one's jail, and I haven't committed a crime. Because mm -hmm. a district attorney trying to make a name for himself and a, a low-rated detective trying to make a name for himself. Exactly. Stop. Wow. And as, as we all too constantly, you know, the manipulation that goes on is is expensive. <laughs> I'm sorry, let, let me jump in right quick. We're getting a lot of um, interference and background noise. We got to watch um, our background oh, yeah. noise. Uh, no, it's that's, that's it, it was coming off another line. I, I'm sorry. So that oh. we can preserve the quality of the broadcast. And uh, sister, I, I, I'm man, I, I'm so sorry to hear that you went through that terrorism uh, there. But, you know, slave catchers um, are what they do. And that's what they do. They out there trying to frame you so they can put you in, in the slavery along with your fiance. And, uh, you know, I just wish it was more I could do than express words. But like one of our earlier panelists said, this isn't something that's uncommon. This is very common. Um, as I was um, um, earlier today broadcasting BTR News, you know, Elizabeth Warren commenting on the deplorable conditions of these migrants, which they are deplorable, inhumane, but she says this isn't American values. And I'm like questioning her on her knowledge of, of American history. Because it is, it, you know, and it's going on um, all across this nation. Yes, that made no sense to me. I could not believe. I'm like, I what is going on? This is scary. I went to, I'm, mind you, I'm in the house by myself. That's the most scariest part. I already have a lawsuit against NYPD. This is why I moved to Massachusetts for them breaking my ankle 10 years ago. I have five scoops and a plate in my ankle. So for it's just bugged out for to even go through this again. I'm like, this makes no sense to me. And Kendra, if you would, could you just uh, elaborate a little bit on your fiance and and you know why it would be that that they would be trying to uh, manipulate and 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 fabricate uh, around him? You know, in this instance, like why why would he? be targeted in this way and anything as far as what, what he's uh, encountered uh, previously uh, that you, that you feel like sharing. Cause 
this is not the first time that that uh, you know that he's suffered under this kind of targeting. Yes, he, while he was upstate doing his time in um, jail, they fed him glass, trying to kill him. The state police, correction officers upstate, tried to feed him glass and kill this man. Kicked him down a bunch of stairs, handcuffed. This man has been through a lot in that criminal system. And then he came home. He finally come home to doing right. And this makes no sense to me. Y'all trying to send him back up there to kill him? It makes no sense. He did nothing wrong. He was living his life. Well, and currently, uh, what what are the conditions like? Um, what what is his status? Uh, where he is right now in the Manhattan detention complex? Oh, it's you- terrible. They they go through his mail. The mail he sends out to me, I don't get for months. When it comes, it's all dirty. Like they done scraped it through the floor. They um. Recently, they um the doctor in there gave him some shoes to wear. They took that away from him. The um they refused to give this this time. Um, I think it was yesterday. They took they told him there was no stamps and commissary, so he couldn't write out to us no more. And and today, uh, we we and today were... something happened, but that's usual. They usually put the the when somebody have a fight. And it's in a, it don't even have to be in his chair. They'll lock the whole jail down so they can't call. But that's usual. Just right. for the safety of the inmates and the correction officers. Right. And and so just, just to underline the fact that, you know, this is while he, his trial is ongoing, you know, in, yes. a, in, a, in a, you know, place, whatever you want to call it, in this, in this corporate uh, environment where supposedly one is innocent until proven guilty uh this brother is is you know under these kinds of conditions constantly 24 7 and uh you know for what is totally fabricated and 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 likewise you know for our brother christian who we also were not able to hear from tonight so just just to underline this fact that we're, we're talking about uh in the pre in the pre uh stages of these wrongful convictions and um, ideally, we're working to make sure that that these uh, bogus charges don't don't uh, reach the wrongful conviction stage. But at, at every single uh, stage of this process, uh, we're talking about prison slavery, whether whether you're convicted or not, you're being being held uh, under conditions that are deplorable. And, and, and this this is what what we're uh, fighting against right now. Uh, is is there anything else that that you would like to share about uh, how we can be of support uh, for you and and your fiance? Um, any updates on on what's next with the case? And uh, I know that there's a fundraising uh, site up uh, around uh, making sure that you can visit and and in other ways support uh, your fiance. So anything like that or contact information that you would like to share for the listeners currently and and those who will peep the podcast. Yeah. Well, so far, I, I went to, I, I got to IAB and I went to ACLU about the situation at hand. Um, I guess that's about it. That's all I can do. Because everybody I went to up here didn't want to help me. Even the attorney general here didn't want to help me. Oh, we don't, you can be a lawyer. I said, this has nothing to do with a lawyer. Y'all need to do something about these police. They had no right, mind you, on the on the war search warrant, it has nothing under amendum A. There's nothing up there, nothing. 
what mm. they was looking for, nothing. The paper is blank. I have a, um, a question. So he's in pretrial detention right now? Yes. Pretrial detention. Uh, and I assume he's being denied bail or the bail is so high that he can't get out? No, he's he's um not denied. He's been denied bail because of he was on parole for okay. the murder, for the okay. murder case. Yeah. I, I just want to, because I was looking at some of this data earlier uh, today, but I'm like, I'm on prisonpolicy.org and it's saying, you know, that 80% of people are in jail who are pre-trial, which means that they haven't been convicted of a crime. 80% of people in jail are pre-trial unconvicted. And I've given them, mind you, I have given them a fast drive showing that the guy lied on him and that a confession from the so-called co-defendant that they're not looking for and the um and the picture of him in the suit that day, they stamped at, now mind you, the robbery was supposed to happen at 1228. It takes at least three to four hours in traffic on Friday coming from New York to Massachusetts to get up here. He was here at two seventeen. The, the um, picture is stamped. His own attorney said to the um, district attorney, you can look, because they took my phone. I was without phone. Mind you, I had, I was in a real bad car accident, and I was at work. My back, I'm out of work. So I had to get to, um, to, my, to medical. They took the phone. I was without phone and everything. I couldn't get to nothing. I gave them the picture. He said, um, the district attorney still still, still is refusing to see that this man was not there. We done gave you all the evidence. He's getting mad, and this is how he's retaliating. I said, I'm never going home until this case is over. Mm. Wow. Because I'm giving the evidence, because I'm doing what the lawyer and the, the, um, the lawyer and the investigators supposed to do. I did it. So to, to basically retaliate, this is what I got to handle. They thought they scared me up. The only thing is, I don't want to get locked up, but I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm just not going to stop fighting for him. He's innocent, and I know he's innocent. Great respect for that. And and this just points toward another all-too-common theme about these fabrications and frame-ups is the way that they are just trying to be predating upon those that they see as as vulnerable in various different ways. And, and in this instance, we're talking about, you know, the, the fact that knowing that somebody is on parole or recently uh, came home or these kinds of circumstances, they're, they're able to target them in various different ways uh, and, and, and just trying to capitalize on that vulnerability. And, and likewise, you know, recognizing uh, close loved ones and relations to, to those that, that they want to target in this way. So uh, just really appreciate your sacrifice and, and you know, thoughts toward you and, and any support that, that we can provide, you know, in this, in this very trying time. Uh, Brother Scotty, I uh, messaged you the updated link for the fundraising page okay. because the one, the one that's up currently is, is uh, the, the pre- previous fundraiser before the um, earlier uh, court appearance. So just wanted to make that update for those that are uh, on the line and, and uh, that'll hear it later that would like to support and make sure that Kendra can make visits and, you know, that commissary and, and any legal fees, all of the, you know, countless, uh, you know, fees associated with, with trying to make sure that 
somebody uh, stays out of prison slavery. If, if I can just jump in, this is Kelly again with It's Up to Us to End Mass Incarceration. I mean, I think that this is just an example of that this whole system, it's not about crime, it's not about justice, it's about control. It's about control of a whole section mm -hmm. of people. And it's only if we stand together. And, and Kendra, we should like exchange information and like see if okay. we can talk and figure out ways we can help each other, you know, because it's only, the only way we're gonna really stop this is like all of the people that are the most affected standing with each other and standing against all of this in all of the instances that are that it's happening you know and um just to like our email is it's up to us to end mi mass incarceration at gmail.com and our facebook is facebook.com slash no criminalization slash and that's you you can get more information about christian conyers but you can also get in touch with us we publicize like the stories of people that are going through this, like with the Christian Conyers, we have a newsletter. We got out a thousand newsletters in the city of, in, in New York, like over the last month, in addition to like whatever we got out uh, through the various social media. Like we need to publicize these cases. We need to stand together. We need to stand with each other and, and find the ways to like build up our strength to really, build a movement against all of this stuff through like fighting one case at a time we can get we can build up our muscles to like really go after this right um, yes. i do want to yes. let everyone know uh, our listeners and if you're listening later on the podcast uh we do distribute through different uh platforms so if you want access to the links um you will be able to find access on the page on black talk radio network for new abolitionist radio uh tonight's uh just look for tonight's title wrongful targeting and enslavement past and present victims there is an archive section uh for each individual podcast or program and you can just pull up new abolitionist radio but i'll um tag i hear you i will get those updated uh plus sister uh basir's um uh cash app information on the page uh after we conclude the broadcast and i'll update you is, is that you uh sis basir I'm so sorry if I cut it in. Yes, it is. Um, and I will update you, and hopefully we'll be able to follow up, you know, not only in my son's case, but everybody else who has an issue. You know, we have issues here, you know, and I just, just want to restate that slavery has never left this country, and for those who are bamboozled, even those who are celebrating the 4th of July, what is the purpose of celebration when we don't have freedom or reparations in this country? Well okay? stated. Well yeah. stated. Well stated. Please continue. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's that's well no. stated. No, we have to wake people up. Um, and just how interesting, yesterday when I was in the Dwayne Reed, you have one of the Boricuas, one of my daddy's people, young brother, Oh, the parties have changed. Obama did this. And I said, I hate to hate for hate the fact that you're being bamboozled, young brother. A lot of us support Obama because he's a black man, also mixed like most of us. I said, but the fact still remains: Obama has done nothing. All presidents are front men for this country, 
and there's a there's an agenda of individuals of white supremacy that are in control. If they don't go along with the program for the whole of the people, they mm-hmm. are fascinated. But that's not the issue. The issue is that I don't know who informs you, but you need to go back to school. You need to do your own research because nothing has changed. The Democratic Party was one of the most racist and still, in my opinion, the most racist party who initiated the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, people are so far removed as far as their knowledge goes. You understand what I'm saying? Who's who? Who can we trust now? I would trust uh, folks like Charles Byron. You understand what I'm saying, Representative Byron or Miss Ines Byron, as compared to those of us who we have in office now. And a lot of things, a lot of the issues that we have is the sellout from the leadership that we have. They're getting, they're benefiting just as well as these banks and these politicians as well, okay? Our children are suffering. We are suffering, you know? The that are trusting the people. Never tr- trusting the people, yes and no. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Brother Jihad mentioned, you know, we have, we're we killing each other. That's unfortunate, Miss Kelly. We're killing each other. You know, yep. right now, white supremacists are standing back and saying, oh, we ain't got to kill these niggers. They're doing a good job. And that's horrifying to know that, mm-hmm. you know, people in the movement, people like myself who stood with those who've been in the movement from the BBP, BPP, the BLA, okay, folks like Mutulu who should have been home a long time or should have never went. Mm-hmm. Another one guilty by association. It had nothing to do with what went down. Those the others are out. He's not. Okay? The fact still remains. Mm-hmm. We are doing ourselves a disservice instead of unifying and trying to free one another and make establish out here. Because even for those that come home, I'm I'm a, like I said, I'll get on the subject of my wrongful conviction at another time. My son is my important. But the fact still remains, they come home even with the support of one another. There's still nothing established for people coming home for housing, a consistent income, employment. And then we don't service each other. We have to look at those issues and try to better ourselves. You can't become a part of another community when our community is still in array. You understand? Disarray. I want I want to say something to you. Have, you know uh, what? Can I say something? You're absolutely yes. right. That's why when my husband came, my fiance came home, I brought him to Massachusetts mm-hmm. because it was better. I, I synced it. I synced the I way he was going and brought him up here. Yes. I'm probably right I, I'm probably alive today um, because my mom moved from Detroit in the late seventies and seventy nine. I was born in North Carolina, but um at two years old, mm-hmm. um my mother who who was a young mother moved to Detroit for opportunity and unfortunately I got involved in street gang banging and yep. like we several of my several of my friends did not make it to the age of sixteen and I believe wow. the only reason I'm alive today is because my mom decided to move back here down south now i'm in a rural area uh surrounded by family but um on the issue of 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 us doing harm to each other a lot of it is because of the programming uh actually tomorrow tomorrow on btr news i'll be joined by uh brother kwabana rasuli of clear the airways project he works with uh Mm -hmm. veteran broadcasters like bob law there's also the uh, uh black women the congressional black women these aren't 
they're not actual Congress members, but you know, it's a group, it's a black right. woman's organization focusing on the misogyny and the music. And so tomorrow we'll be diving yes. in, into, you know, the programming, um, you know, this, this brother's speech. I don't know if yes. y'all know speech of the group, Tennessee, which one, not Tennessee. I'm sorry. Um, what was the name of Speech's group? Uh, they came out with the song Tennessee, but they won several Grammys. But he came out with a miniseries documentary. He still has the third installment to come out, and people should check it out. Mm. It's on YouTube. It's called The Nigga Factory. And the reason he calls mm. it The, the Nigga Factory yes. is because white people control the music industry. They control yep. these radio stations, these corporations, yep. fun um, what I call killer nigga programming, where people are yep. being programmed every day to view each other as niggas and not black people or human beings, and therefore that facil- yep. that desensitizes them and facilitates a lot of the conflict um, that we find in our community. So we'll be focusing on that tomorrow. One of the theme, uh, things that those groups I mentioned were successful in doing is uh, going to these city councils and getting them yes. to to pass resolutions against this type of music on the publicly licensed airways because the FCC ain't doing its job. So, you know, we, sure we do want to focus on our issue, but I must say at the end of the day um, that the U.S. government and the states and white supremacists are most responsible for our condition. Yes, they are. I don't dispute that whatsoever. You understand what I'm saying? But only thing I make value in, 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 in disagreement, I don't support white supremacy, but it's not them immediately in the present. Yes, their program does, programming does contribute, but it's no one that's right there and say, all right, boom. Let me pop this, you know, N I G G A, because this is how they, this is how it is in our hood, in our neighborhoods. We don't have no love of respect for one another. Well, we just go out and stick with them because we want a reputation. We want to rep the hood by by such. And like I said, I was, when we were banging back in the day, we were doing it to protect the hood, the elders, and those that, the weak ones in the, in the neighborhood. You understand what I'm saying? They don't took banging to a higher level now. And I'm even, you know, ashamed to mention that. The fact that I even have that in my own household, and I'm trying to reach them to keep them woke. But this is what the, what the agenda is, not only white supremacy, but we have embarked on that by taking each other out because they got a better pair of sneakers. Who, who does that? Well, who well, let, so, Sister Basir, let me, let me say this as um, we are running yeah. out of uh, broadcast time, but let me say this. Malcolm X, this is why the Black Talk Media Project exists. I watched a video of Malcolm X uh, talking about the power of the media. He was talking about after World War II how, you know, during World War II, oh, the Chinese and and the, uh, excuse me, the Russians and the Japanese are our friends, but, I mean, excuse me, the Russians and the Chinese are our friends helping us defeat the Axis powers. But then after the war, they flipped the script through American news 
news media, and now, you know, our former enemies are now our friends. And so Malcolm said that media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet because it controls the minds of the masses. And if if you study the history of the death of black terrestrial radio, which was very key to our people's organizing during the civil rights, uh, now we don't have talk, talk radio. We, we got nigga radio. And so that plays a tremendous uh, uh, role in the mindset or the developing minds of our young people. So I don't want to excuse anybody's individual behavior, but I just want to point out that there is a, a, a bigger machine that's at play here that's programming and corrupting these young people's minds. And, and so I, I'll leave it at that. No doubt. You know, we know the Jews control the media as well as the court system. We know majority of them do. And even though some of us infiltrate in there, look at the folks like uh, Clarence Thomas. You know, he's a disgrace, a disservice. Ben Carson within the president's regime. Look at these people here. It's a disgrace and a disservice to our people. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's those of us and those prior to us have been in the forefront to establish a, a, a better living condition, a better survival condition for our people. But we, like I said, we will always have to sell us. That's why I understand the Latona syndrome. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I understand, and my heart go out to that brother in the, in the horrific conditions that he had to go through with the betrayal of his own people. You understand what I'm saying? By yes. them betraying him to the slave masters. And then it is sad that that's still going on today. Right, right. But like Brother Jihad said, though, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of us acting like we afraid to talk to these brothers standing on the corner and, right. and, and what have you. And that's something that we have to uh, bring mm-hmm. back that a lot of our political prisoners were engaged in. And and so I, I just want to have hope for the future and, and just see light at the mm-hmm. end of, of, of the tunnel. And with each and every one of us that's on this line, you know, I'm sure we're touching people's lives and, and we should just be, be hopeful and not get too down in the dumps. I admit I get depressed. It's it's depressing yeah. uh, reporting all this yeah. bad news and what have you. But, you know, uh, yeah. the people need to know what they're up against. No doubt mm-hmm. about that. And people that know me know I have love for the youth. And the reason why, I be, and the reason being is because I was young and crazy once upon a time, too. You understand what I'm saying? And even when I didn't want to hear it, I had to hear it. You know, there were old heads that took me under their wing and talked to me where I became woke. And I do try to do the same thing now, whether in my own household, with those of them that are banging and, and think they know, they know more, as well as the young people out here, especially these young brothers and some of these young sisters that are wearing their pants down. I, ha- I always say, I said, do you know the history? Do you know the history of slavery? Do you know the history of slavery? I said, do you know what you're representing? And a lot of them want to get arrogant and disrespectful. But I, I school them on that. You know, you're representing a, a period in slavery where a slave master used to take the most defiant slave who stood up to them, have them have the other slaves chopped on the tree, take mm-hmm. them, tie them down, and beat them mercilessly in front of their wives, their children, and other slaves to intimidate. Then they would tell them, then they'd be so uh, weak 
to the point that they will rip their pants and sodomize them. I said, and this is by the meaning of the pants being lowered, which a lot of other slave masters would know. It's called bucking. Like, I was talking about yeah. the history of bucking. That it was allowed, it, it was to let the other slave masters know that they were broken in. So if you want to get off, this is why the prevalence with the homosexuality, I mean, it, it, it's getting out of here, but I don't even want to take away from the broadcast on that. You know what I'm saying? I just, you know, like my point is that I do try to talk to some of these young people if they're reachable. A lot of them you can't reach, you know, and it's just sad. Tag. Very much appreciate you sharing your experiences around this question. And I, I know that the broadcast you know, has just a few more minutes to it. Want to make sure that we, you know, uh, reach back and let everyone uh, just bring out any contact information that they need to, or just any lasting thoughts that they wanted to leave. Yeah. We do have a, uh, we do have one more guest on the line who uh, we'd like to hear from and uh, hear some updates about uh, the organization IWAC, uh, particularly the IWAC NYC. Uh, Branch, and we would like to hear from Bailey uh, to to give us some updates on what I Walk is up to and, and uh, the efforts that uh, I Walk NYC has been engaged in. And uh, again, would would greatly like to hear from from uh, everyone that we've spoken to already. Uh, so long as there's minutes to um, you know just address anything that that still remain to be addressed. Um, Brother Scotty, I, I don't know if this will, if it'll cut out automatically in the next 10 minutes, but... Oh, no, uh, no, it yeah. won't, it won't. Great, great. Okay. So, so uh, Bailey, if you could unmute yourself, it's star star uh, to do so. And in fact, uh, when what you were mentioning, Sis Basir, uh, speaking again of this, of this text, it's been uh, 10 years since Mumia, who uh, we spoke about to start this broadcast, uh, published the book called uh, Jailhouse Lawyers. Um, highly, yeah. highly recommended, and it addresses many of the, the uh, questions that we've been discussing here tonight. Um, has a quote right here that connects exactly to what you were saying about so-called Independence Day. Uh, toward the end uh -huh. of chapter two, uh, he writes, is it surprising that a nation that began its existence with slave codes then continued for a century with an equally impressive of black codes were instituted by hooker and crook, prisoner codes, such that American law is made Specifically there, he's talking about the PLRA, the 1996 Act coming out of one uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Tag. Tag, you're gonna have to repeat what you said. Uh, it sounds like yeah, cause from yeah, um, from five four zero. Um, if if you're playing the program in the background, uh, please turn it down. Watch your background uh, noise, cause we couldn't hear what Tag was saying. Uh, go ahead, Tag. No, no doubt. Just just was saying that in in addressing the Prisoner Legislation Reform Act which was just a horribly deceptive act passed under Clinton and, and, and the rest of those uh, democratic yeah. uh, so-called slavers um, in 96, with all sorts of manipulated uh, information and propaganda to claim that 
heads on the inside were, were making frivolous claims and that they needed to stop heads on the inside from being able to litigate uh, and, and right. advocate for themselves. You know, and so uh, toward the end of, of that chapter where he's addressing the, the myths and fallacies of, of that particular act and, and how they promoted it and eventually passed it, he's, he states, is it surprising that a nation that began its existence with slave codes then continued for a century with an equally repressive set of black codes would institute mm. by, by prisoner codes, such as the stuff American law is made of today and you know that was that was published 10 years ago and 2019 that's still the stuff that that these uh, so-called laws are made of as we yes. know the 13th amendment is allowing for enslavement uh, in the US and um, uh, Bailey uh, appreciate your your holding on uh, to the line throughout uh, the broadcast and your patience um, was wondering if you could update us on some of the uh, work that IWAC MRC has been doing and anything that, that you want to just uh, let heads know as far as um, you know, upcoming events or actions or uh, ways to get involved with what IWAC is doing or anything that, that you connected with uh, throughout the broadcast. Um, yep. Um, hi, hopefully um, coming through. Um, yeah, I'm Bailey, um, outside member of uh, the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee in New York, um, and our work revolves around supporting inside-led organizing against prison slavery. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful it was no problem hanging on the line. I was really moved by everyone's motions of uh, love and solidarity, and also just the analysis of past and present as uh, someone new to the movement. It's uh, very helpful um, to learn from y'all. Um, yeah, and coming off of what uh, this year, I believe, um, was speaking towards around the 4th, you know, I'm hoping that maybe instead of us celebrating our genocidal racist history tomorrow, we can all yes. show up for victims of state repression and modern-day slavery, all these folks who are currently behind bars, um, and yes. yeah, just everything that we've been discussing tonight, so um, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and with that, I guess, um, just here to plug a couple of ways um, folks can support the work that we're um, doing in um, New York at, at this moment. Um, and most urgently, it seems that um, recently um, several groups of folks have been mobilizing together around um, a case of this woman who um, we'll just refer to as Miss T. Um, but she's um, currently case at Rosie's on Rikers. Um, she was previously homeless um, and couldn't afford bail. So, um, yeah, so, she, so she's been there in her time inside. She's been severely assaulted by correctional officers. Mm. Um, and as a result of these incidents, she was slapped with two, like, wrongful charges. Not them, her. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, all, all because she couldn't afford bail. She's been, like, in this dangerous situation um and she has a nine-year-old son at home so folks are trying to put together i think it's around six thousand dollars to bail her out and um house her until um can find a permanent option for her and her son um so yeah i guess if folks you know would be able to donate or if you have any contacts or connections with existing bail funds um 
or if you have tips on housing um, for Misty and her son, um, you can, there's a couple ways you can get in touch. Um, no New Deals um, NYC is doing a lot of the heavy lifting around supporting Misty right now. Um, so their email is um, no new jails, um, no, no. dot ny um, at gmail.com. Um, you can also contact um, us via or the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee, um, New York chapter, um, and we can help connect you to who who needs to be alerted. <laughs> um, but yeah, our email is um, iwalk, which is I W oc.myc at riseup.net wait a minute iwoc what yeah iwoc.myc at riseup.net and we do have that information uh, to their website for the New York City branch uh, linked up in our uh, program description for tonight's broadcast Mm -hmm. and I just want to say to IWOC you know um, I just want to thank you and just really acknowledge um, their role in promoting the prisoner leg strike of 2018 um it got international attention and you know not and even the mainstream media here in the united states was forced to cover it um because of the work that was being done online to bring attention to that prisoner led strike so thank i i want to thank iwak for their participation participation in that in that action and and uh, with that, definitely, and especially seen as uh, what I was just quoting from uh, Mumia's text, I, I want to m- make yeah. a major shout out, you know, to Jailhouse Lawyers Speak and uh, their efforts, you know, from the inside. Right, right. Organizing and, you know, really just amplifying this cause, uh, as has been mentioned a number of times, you know, the, the critical, vital um, and, and, and primary importance of, of those on the inside really guiding uh, the abolitionist movement and um, and they've been doing tremendous work for you know as long as as we can look um, doing that and and it's great to see that that getting some public attention especially of late so um, absolute shouts to them and and relatedly uh, when y'all were talking about uh, the programming, and how that is so influential to funneling heads, you know, into prison slavery and also into all manner of, of violence and, and so many other uh, ills. On the other side of that, there there is some great uh, work, you know, great, as you call it, uh, method music, Brother Scotty, and, and you know, strong uh, cultural production coming out of heads on the inside. And, and you know, I'm reminded of uh, a brother that that we're in correspondence with, who uh, himself and others put together a, a great track about um, Ayanna Jones. You know the the young girl uh, who was slain by by these uh, by these yeah. slave patrol. You know, so um, uh, related to that, uh, Bailey, I was wondering if you could speak to um, as we've had this conversation a number of times recently, if you could just speak to the importance of communication with heads on the inside, especially in the form of, you know, letter correspondence, but, um, you know, any kind of just maintenance of connections with heads on the inside and, and, uh, you know, the the value and 
and uh, necessity that, that you see in that? Um, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, it's really the only way to stay up on, you know, um, I mean, uh, uh, there's all these obstacles in place for a reason with communicating with folks inside because it's awful. And so the more that we can break down those um, barriers between us, um, the clearer vision we'll have um, moving forward. Um, and also just like getting direction from, from folks inside around what they need and, and you know, how, like, yeah, like they know <laughs> we don't. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's just, it's crucial to um, keep it up um, as regularly as possible. Um, yeah. Um, and, and one um, other thing too, that, you know, part of IWOC's work is also just um, getting funds to folks, which this is another plug of sorts, but we are trying to fundraise um, more intensely to get um, commissary to folks regularly because, you know, it's just they're, you know, they, these prisons profit off of being like financially impossible to navigate and by putting huge burdens on incarcerated folks and their families. So, yeah, we're just trying to round up as much support as possible and spread it as widely as possible. Um, and we're supporting um, several inside organizers right now. Um, and then also folks, um, which I think was mentioned briefly earlier, folks from the Bronx 120 raids who are being held um, captive three years later, you know, um, that were rounded up on these false conspiracy charges. So, yeah, we, we definitely... Um, are in, are in need of funds right now to distribute to these folks. Um, and yeah, you can find us on social media, um, the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee, NYC, should come up on Facebook. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, and our handle is um, IWOC underscore NYC. Um, and again, you can just email us as well um, at um, iwoc.nyc at riseup.net um, so yeah the, our fundraising link should be on social media um, and I'm sure we can put it in the show notes um, but yeah and it'll be ongoing I mean this is yeah um, uh, it's, it, it will always be a need but it's definitely um, somewhat urgent at this moment so if folks are able to contribute um, it would yeah be much appreciated Absolutely. Oh, I'm, like, I, oh, I'm sorry, um, Brother Tyler, let me interject like that. No, not at all, uh, not at all. I, I would definitely like to make sure that, that everyone can, can uh, you know, uh, revisit, uh, you know, their contact information and anything else that, that uh, we wanted mm -hmm. to get out. I, I just wanted to maybe see if, if Bailey wanted to speak to uh, why anyone might want to participate in uh, IWOC activity um, with IWOC NYC, uh, and you spoke to you know the the need for funds and and how that's going directly to heads on the inside and and impacted uh, loved ones. Um, you know the the very urgent need for that. But um, and and Sisba here, if you if you wanted to uh, respond to any of that, I, I would absolutely like to hear uh, you know your thoughts on that as well. But is is there any Anything that, oh, um, Sispa, see you? 
Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback what she just described was part of my situation back in 1980, uh, 1984, you know, regarding my wrongful conviction, which I said we can go on another segment, but I too was on that island for like the last four years, so I, believe me, I have some stories to tell, that's why, um, for myself that I was once part of Just Leadership USA, I, I was, I'm no longer due to fact not only the scandals but the fact that you cannot shut down like this island unless you shut down the culture. And when I say that is that the culture of the officers, no I'm not for any new jails in our county, although it might be convenience for uh incarcerated ones loved ones. However the fact still remains. Unless you shut down the culture of the corruptional officers, the majority of them who torture beat slander people based on what the news media and the police put out, the prosecutor puts out, you're not going to get anywhere by putting new jails in different counties. And I just want to emphasize that with everybody. Um, If funding, you know, like I said, I guess we're all on the same page as far as funding, but the fact that she described my situation with the young lady that's now incarcerated I had more than one child at the time, but I was on that island for four years. And like I said, I have some stories in regards to slandering, having to constantly be set upon by the police, having to fight, because it's such an arena environment when you're in Rikers Island. There's no respect. The police are very disrespectful. Instead of approaching you by your name, give me tools, bitches. That means line up. You know, all kind of, all kind of, I don't even want to take much of the time because, you know, the podcast. But the fact that remains is that I'm support of not raising no more jails, but also mm-hmm. trying to use that funding for not only commissary, but for, you know, possibility to try to, you know, have legal representation. You know, maybe a bail because mm-hmm. one, yes, that type of thing. Because um, w- once upon a time, with the Reverend Bolian and uh, another another uh, um, you know Reverend, they had what is called WAM Women um, uh, Ministries, Women Ministries uh, something. But anyway, it was based on on raising uh, bail money. And and also trying to get women assistance. That's something that has lacking due to the fact that not only with the shelter system, which I'm presently dealing with now, and for the last eight years since I've been released, the fact still remains. There's nothing out here. Now, if we're going to do funding, it should be funding in general, not only for legal representation, but housing. When people, whether, you know, those wrongfully convicted or those who are victims of circumstances, when they come out of the prison system, there's no housing. They have to rely on, on prison-like uh, uh, environments such as the shelter system, which is ran like the jail system, all right? There's no housing. And if they have children, you are dealing with an ACS system that wants you to find mm-hmm. housing so you can be reunited with your children, but it's counterproductive. If you don't have your children, how in God's name you're going to find an apartment? If, you, if you're in a single adult shelter and your children are in foster care, these are issues that I have been speaking on prior to wrongful incarceration, during and after. And there has never been nothing set up. And it's like trying to unify with individuals like myself who are trying to get that established. If funding could be geared towards that, that would be wonderful. Also for employment. 
You know, they say they mm-hmm. have these reentry programs, but they're not geared to really assist people coming out of the prison system or to help them, whether they're single adult or with family. So those are issues that, that really need to be hard hit and an address, you know, as far as being addressed so people can successfully reacclimate themselves out here. So if you're doing funding for that, that's fine. That's wonderful. That's great. But a lot that's of people... Hmm? Oh, no, please continue. No, no, I remember, because that's something that's most needed. Because the, the the system, the, the slavery system here is designed for people to recidivate and go back in because it generates mm-hmm. income. It keeps the money coming, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, I just wanted to emphasize that you described the young woman and her child situation, which is akin to, akin to mine. You understand what I'm saying? For the four years that I was on that island, Oh God! I don't even want to. I don't. You know, maybe we'll say that for another time because I understand there's, you know, request for time for the podcast. <laughs> but that was my situation. That was 1984. This is 2019. Nothing has changed. This is a commodity. A bodies a commodity to generate income. So we have to set up funding to try to combat that to help people like her. And the rest of us, you know, that are, that are released but still don't have housing, and those who are coming out and need housing mm-hmm. and a consistent income. Mm-hmm. And, and as you know, Sispasir, we will stay in touch. And you know, yeah. if you want, to continue to discuss some of those experiences and and how it relates. Uh, would be happy to do so. And um, as a sister. No uh, a sister was just saying, you know, as we were discussing some of these linkages, you know, there there is attention being put on the pr- prison industrial complex, but uh, less so mm-hmm. on the housing industrial complex, you know, and, and these are interlocking systems, as you say, mm-hmm. and these these prison plantations, uh, the yeah. private and otherwise, you know, they're they're referring to heads, you know, as beds, you know, they see it as as a, a real mm-hmm. estate endeavor, you know, and, and so... Yeah. Thinking of it that way, the the question of you know where where one rests their head uh, any given night, whether it be under prison slavery or under these various forms, you know, of supervision that they have that connect directly to the prison plantations, uh, exactly. these are clearly interlocking uh, issues. Uh, I, I would like to see uh, Brother Scotty because I know you've been extremely generous with the minutes on this broadcast tonight. So uh, if you wanted to uh, go, you know, if you have any, any question that, that you wanted to bring into it, I was just uh, starting to ask Bailey about questions of, uh, of getting involved with IWOC work. But um, if you, if you had anything that you wanted to raise or um, ask, um, um, no, you know, by all um, no, there's nothing um, that I want to raise, but give everybody opportunity to give some final comments and their contact information because I, I do have a, another engagement that I need to, uh, you know, meet that obligation. No doubt, no doubt. So, if if we uh, go ahead and, and move forward with with contact information and any last messages. I greatly appreciate all of y'all for for sharing experiences and and uh, building with us tonight. Uh, much appreciated. Um, we were just speaking with you, Bailey. Uh, would you like to 
to start by leaving any contact information or, or, or parting thoughts? Um, yeah, I did. I mean, I guess I gave all the contact info earlier um, as far as um, I walk in, no new jails. Um, so I, I, I don't know that I need to waste time repeating it, but um, I will say that Miss um, T, the, the woman who I um, spoke about earlier, um, who folks are trying to raise bail for, um, also has a, a court date coming up. Um, it's Friday, July 19th at 10 a.m., um, 161st Street in the Bronx, um, part 96, courtroom 460. So, yeah, folks are um, calling for a, a large presence there to stand behind her as she fights these uh, bogus charges against her. So, yep. Greatly appreciate that. Okay. Um, in regards to, I have a post office box. It's unfortunate the post office will not allow me. You know, I would wanted it directed to my son, uh, Sarajuddin, in care of myself, Akiba S. Basir. However, because I don't have identification or, or my son's identification, due to his incarceration, that any mail or any funding will have to go to my post office box under my name. I have tried to get that addressed and amended, but unfortunately they're not working with me on it. The post office box is my name, Rakiba Basia, R A Q, Echo Queen, I B S and Boy, A H, Middle Initial S, Last Name Capital B, A S I R. It's P.O. Box 1523-1523, Bronx, New York, 10451. Um, the cash app, again, is under my name, Rakiba Fartia. However, under that is at Pre-Sarajuddin1. And it's, a, it's there to um, legal defense so for my son to try to obtain a lawyer for him to get him out. Being that this, this is a very blatant public scandalous case by the government and of entrapment, my son is wrongly incarcerated, and therefore we're trying to find him the best lawyer. In the end, I, you know, in, hmm? did somebody say something, or is that? Um... I, I think that was just uh, in the background. Okay, yeah. Um, it's just unfortunate. Indiana, their their system is really corrupted. Um, and this is based on the fact that their lawyers, as compared to New York law, any attorney in the state of Indiana is allowed to be be not only a lawyer but also a judge at the same time. And how how is it that they can get away with pseudo duty? And, and and not assume one position, you understand, as a, at, at a time as opposed to at the same time. Uh, this That does not allow any means of justice for anyone that's wrongfully incarcerated or a victim of circumstance. So, again, my email information, B, A, B is in boy, A is in apple, S is in Sam, I is in igloo, R is in raspberry, R is in raspberry again. The letter S is in Frank, number one, at gmail.com. 
I will in the near future try to have an email set up for my son, but I have to have to, I have to go through a whole lot of bureaucracy with him where he's at in the Pendleton Correctional Facility in order to have that set up. I'm trying to work around that. However, it hasn't been easy because, you know, there's certain restrictions, as most of us know, with dealing with this prison industrial complex and the slave and the slave camps that they have our loved ones in. So um, that's basically it for the time being. Uh, I have any updates, and we'll be back on. Hopefully we'll have follow-ups on this broadcast. Again, on wrongful conviction as well as other um, issues surrounding incarceration, this and basically the mass incarceration. And before I get off, I hope I hope that most of us are aware that Kamala Harris is trying to present herself, <laughs> you know, for the presidency in regards that she she's she's down, she's down, and most of us know she's incarcerated more black and brown people in the state of California mm-hmm. as a prosecutor as well as well as her being attorney general, so right. we need to be aware and be on the lookout in regards of whatever she's trying to come at us and anybody else because we know her background right, you know, and I mentioned uh to that point on b t r news earlier today that her office uh-huh. actually argued in the federal courts against releasing nonviolent offenders who had served yes. half their sit- their sentences. So, um, you know, again, I stand in solidarity with those fighting on the behalf of these migrants and asylum seekers in these yes. cages, but don't let these politicians uh, fool you and like they so That's concerned about them when their history shows that they've been on the wrong side of, of, of these issues so uh, Amen. Tag. absolutely absolutely and and brother Scotty and Black Talk Radio Network has been doing very thorough uh, interrogation of, of Kamala Harris's record in that regard uh, for, for a minute and a half now um, well before some of, some of these were being exposed, you know, more more uh, broadly. So uh, always appreciate that that journalistic work. And uh, I don't see Kendra any longer on the board. I know that that um, wow. Kendra, you know, was was otherwise um, engaged, and I, I'm just uh, very much appreciating that uh, she was able to speak with us uh, for as long as she was, and um, we'll certainly be following up with her as well. But uh, as was mentioned earlier, there is a fundraiser page uh, for herself and her fiance. It's it's on the program notes uh, for this broadcast, and that will be updated to reflect the the more recent fundraising page. But um, anyone that's just in that site now, you should be able to find the more recent one on the same site. And uh, if nothing else, you know, feel free to contact the email there, or or you could contact the uh, IWAC NYC email that Bailey mentioned earlier. Um, that's iwalk.myc at riseup.net. And uh, Brother Jihad, uh, greatly appreciate that that you are still with us on the call. Uh, is there anything that you would like to add to what you've said uh, and or any contact information that you would like to make sure to uh, leave us with at this time? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I definitely stayed on the whole show. 
And I saw it in my brother Scotty and, and Tag and all the presenters there. I, it was very powerful. You know, we can make contact with everybody moving forward because this was this station, this program could be the um, the nexus of bringing a lot of things together. But my contact is my name, Jihad, J-I-H-A-D, Abdul, A-B-D-U-L, Mumit, M-U-M-I-T, at Gmail. That's my whole name at Gmail to directly contact me. Or you can always access um, www.thegeneralcomovement.com to get in contact with me. But um, I would definitely like to get with our brother Scotty and, and Tag moving forward to see how um, the programs can go and not just to present us, but how we can help you to um, do this type of program and expand your reach. So there you go. All power to you. All power to the people. Greatly appreciate you and and all that you contributed. And Kelly, I see that you are also still with us. Uh, And I know that you sent some follow-up information. So I will be keeping that as soon as we're offline. And I'll make sure to uh, relay that to you, Brother Scotty, so that we can update, you know, any uh, information that's needed. Uh, Anything that you would like to leave us with at this time, uh, contact information or otherwise? Um, yeah, I'll just give you my e- our email again. It's up to us to end mi at gmail.com. <clears throat> and our Facebook page is facebook.com slash no criminalization. And you can find on the Facebook page all the information about Christian Conyers and the phone number to call for the district attorney um, and a, a script on what to say if you need it. Um, and, and just as a parting point, you know, on everything that people are saying tonight, really the only way that we're going to be able to deal with any of it, whether it's the culture that's out there, whether it's individual cases, whether it's the stuff like people coming home and not having the job and, and all of yeah. that, the only way we're going to deal with that is, as our name says, it's up to us. We can't rely on the politicians. We can't rely on the court system. It's only like people coming together and demanding something different and demanding, you know, justice for for each individual that we're going to be able to, like, really combat this. Thank you for that. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Very very strong and and resonates greatly. Uh, You know, it calls to mind so many uh, of, of our strong revolutionary uh, groups and individuals over the years, you know, the, the Move family, so many who, uh, yeah. and in fact, you know, uh, we were talking earlier about our, our brother, uh, Jaleel Muntakim. Uh, we are our own liberators, uh, an excellent and, and, and critically important book uh, that he has published, uh, bringing out so much important political uh, strategy and organizing uh, you know, uh, direction. So uh, we are our own liberator. Absolutely feel you on that. And uh, also just speaking of organizations on the inside that have been doing it for, for so long and struggling hard, uh, I would be remiss not to mention, you know, Free Alabama Movement, FAM, uh, and and the, all of the other free uh, movements, Free Mississippi Movement, Free Ohio Movement, you know, and, and all of the other uh, groups on the inside that are struggling under these uh, enslaved conditions and still finding mm-hmm. a way to uh, to make themselves heard. And uh, New Abolitionist Radio has been 
repping them and making sure that that they could be heard on their platform for for a, a long minute now and i i greatly appreciate that uh sophia uh you you've been on for for since just about when when i got onto the call so greatly appreciate y'all your uh you know staying with it and uh any uh last messages or thoughts uh that that you have for us um or updates and any contact information or upcoming developments that you want to make sure that we're aware of uh, exiting the broadcast. Yes, um, thank you. Let me just say um, really quickly that uh, this discussion tonight has been really amazing and riveting and um, part of why I've been somewhat quiet is just taking it all in and being able to hear the different uh opinions and things but also the concreteness of everything that we're all in this together and it's as I said it's up to us so I'm just thankful for this kind of um, powerful spiritual discussion and um, I'm hoping for many more of these uh, in different areas especially within our communities so thank you for that Um, just really quickly on an update that I wasn't able to mention before is that there is um, Mumia is currently dealing with um, a health crisis at the moment regarding his eyes and not being able to see um, very well Uh, as people know Mumia is a journalist, he's an author, he's a writer and so his eyes are absolutely everything to him in this moment and he currently has um, mm-hmm. cataract and had been promised by the prison doctor that he will receive uh, uh, he will get treated for it uh, in a surgery or some kind of procedure on the outside and yet they have not scheduled that or have him wow. had that done so clearly they're again doing their usual thing of sending promises and making it seem like it's, it's going to be okay, but we know what they're doing. They are, they are essentially medically uh, torturing Mumia once again, and also mm-hmm. giving him a slow death. Uh, so there is a petition that movement has uh, put out there, and that petition is still going. Um, it's called, it's on actionnetwork.org. And that petition is called Act Now to Save Momia's Eyesight and to Demand His Release. Um, I shared that link. I hope that link can go up on the the show's page, on the show's page, and people can go there, please sign it, share it far and wide. And um, there's definitely hope that this treatment, this procedure can be done uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And um, just recently, I think it was maybe a few days ago, Mumia did call into um, the prison radio show uh, mm-hmm. and he did speak about what he was going through and what it feels like. So that mm-hmm. was incredible. Um, as much as it was hard to hear, it was incredible that he was able to let people know what's really happening. So um, 
we're in, you know, this is this is a serious thing, and not to mention today again is the uh, the third to seventh year since they sentenced him to death. Um, so yeah. that's that's where we're at. Um, as I mentioned, hopefully by the end of the summer, um, we will have some update as to um, his legal case and where that is I think there should be coming something should be coming down by the end of this summer and more importantly to stay in touch with what the campaign to bring me a home is doing and what's um what's next you can email us at bring me a home at gmail.com you can check us out on www.bringmoomeahome.com uh, we're on Facebook, the campaign to bring me a home or bring me a home. And we're also on the uh, Twitter as well and Instagram along those same uh, um, names. So definitely um, be in touch with us. I would love to uh, stay in touch with everyone that spoke tonight. I, I, I think we all spoke brilliantly and powerfully about what we're dealing with with the topics we've talked about, but also the end the end of all of this is that we're in this together. So I hope from tonight's discussion we can all continue to be in touch in one way or another and support the work um, that everyone is doing. And um, yeah, I think I think that's it for the moment. Yes, thank you, thank you, Tag and Brother Scotty for having us on. Can I say interject right quick, y'all? Uh, is there any way possible, even a way to the surgery, that y'all they could communicate with these doctors to get him like eye vitamins or you know stuff like the herb eye bright, uh, eye vitamins to help with his sight? Um, I, you know, I am not exactly sure. I I, I do think that you know communication with them seems to be hard to do. I, yeah. I don't know how much communication Mumia has with them, but just for instance, just calling the, 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 the doctor's line today and even the superintendent of the prison, um, mm -hmm. people really got nowhere. And if they did get someone, that person was extremely harsh and disrespectful. So oh, it's, it, it's going to be a long fight in terms of just calling them and being able to suggest something to them. But I think um, putting these ideas to Mumia, I'm sure he probably knows of them anyway, and him being in contact with that specific doctor is maybe the only way. But again, one thing is told to them, and they know what must be done, and nothing is being done on their part. So again, the movement just has wow. to continue to remain strong and grow stronger to put the pressure on. Yes, ma'am. No doubt. Yes, we already know with the hepatitis crisis that that he underwent, and that so many on the inside are are suffering under. They're they're not you know taking any quick steps or or major steps mm -hmm. to, to look out for the health of uh, heads under prison slavery. So, you know, again, you know, we have to make sure that we're doing everything that we can do out here to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do because, you know, their design is to do the exact opposite. Hmm. Always. Well, Tag, did you have any final thoughts as we get ready to wrap up? 
No, just again, thank you and thank all of the other panelists for allowing you know the space to discuss this and you know as ever just support black talk radio network and the black talk media project thank you to everyone that you know uh came through and and discussed what was going on and and you will continue to build and continue to fight against prison slavery and, and salute to all of the abolitionists and everyone who is an abolitionist and may not be aware of it as yet Thank you, Tag, for uh, facilitating uh, tonight's panel discussion. I just want to reiterate what you said and thank every uh, panelist for giving us some of their time to come on and represent uh, the movements that they are a part of and the individual cases. Again, the links are posted on the program notes page. Um, I did just recently update that uh, PayPal link uh, tag and uh, any additional information, get it to me. Um, to those that are listening, um, if you find that this program has been constructive, please share it with others. The podcast will be up in, in about an hour, hour and a half. And uh, please share it. Please share it far and wide uh, through the social media, different social media networks that uh, we're connected to through the platform. In closing, I just want to uh, tell people that um, what we're dealing with is rooted in what they call the original sin of the United States of America. It started with the colonies, the British colonies and, and some of the other European colonies. But we're dealing with slavery. Um, all, that is the root cause of it all. And if you don't believe me when I tell you it's slavery, go read the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which they say is the supreme law of the land. And we need to have that amendment repealed and replaced with an amendment that uh, makes no exceptions for slavery along the lines of the U.N. Declaration of Human Rights, which says that all forms of slavery shall be abolished. And that's what we really need to be working for and you know uh, even at the state level because as we uh, covered over a period of about 50 weeks looking at all state constitutions many of them 95% of them include the very same language of the 13th Amendment. And shout out to Colorado in its successful amendment uh, aid campaign to remove that language from their state constitution. So when you recognize that, hopefully, when you recognize the root cause of what we're dealing with is slavery, then you'll recognize that there needs to be a new abolitionist movement and that you will become an abolitionist and do what you can to bring attention to this issue and to bring an end to the institution of slavery once and for all. With that said, um, be safe out there and peace and blessings to all. Good night. Peace and blessings to you too. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this freedom.